Our sermon text this evening is from Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. I plan to to do from 38 to 50, but I have to div- uh, divide it into two separate sermons. So today we'll only go through Mark 9, verses 38 through 40, uh, through 41. This is God's holy word. Let's pay attention to it. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we have just read your holy word and your word Lord is full of wisdom. Your word is full of truth. And it's the gospel that we need to hear. Father, bless your word and let all of us see your grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. There is an interesting phenomenon that the plainer Jesus teaches about his work as a Messiah the more confusing the disciples seem to be. Since Jesus began to teach the necessity of his suffering and death, the the, the disciples never really understood it. One of the reasons for that is what Jesus said to Peter, for you are not set in your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In other words, what Jesus taught about the Messiah is totally different from their understanding of the Messiah. Their thinking follows the culture and the ideas of this world, while Jesus thinks God's thought after him. That's why what the disciples do or say are often corrected by Jesus. For instance, Peter was corrected for his rejection of the teaching about Jesus' suffering. The disciples were corrected for their self-confidence in exorcism. And they were also corrected for their own wrong view of being great in the kingdom of God. This seemed to never get what Jesus was talking about. From all these things, Mark has shown us one clear thing about man. Man is so blind and ignorant to the things of God that they would never do anything pleasing in the sight of God by their own nature. Just as Romans 3, 10, 11 says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. So this verse applies perfectly to the disciples. That's why Jesus came, so that he could find his lost sheep and bring them back home. And the way Jesus accomplished that mission 
is through his suffering, death, and resurrection. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God, the true power of the gospel. But no one truly understands it, including Jesus' 12 disciples. And our past tonight shows us that the disciples have not learned the way of their Lord, even after being corrected and corrected, and even have been taught again and again by Jesus, they still missed it. The interesting uh, thing about our passage is that there is only one verse mentioning the disciples. There's only, only one verse for the disciples. That verse is literally a report by John about what he and others had done. And the rest of our passage is a response of Jesus to that report. We can say that our passage consists of the word of disciples and the word of Jesus. It is a little surprise that the word of response is that long. It seems necessary for Jesus to spend that much time and say that many words to spend uh, to respond. So now let's first see the word of disciples. Verse 38. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. So interestingly, our passage singles out one disciple for us, and that is John. He acted like a representative of all the disciples here. He uses the plural noun, we, to show us that he does not only speak for himself, but also for the rest of his fellow disciples. It is a little bit unusual and surprising that it is John that plays the role of a spokesman of the Twelve. Normally, that role belongs to Peter, who is always first to speak up his opinions. Now we hear John speak. But whether Peter or John, their word and opinions could not go beyond the things of the world. We see the same thing in Peter and in John. Look at what John said here. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons, your name, right? And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. What John is saying is that he do not allow someone outside their group to use to use Jesus' name to cast out demons. And you may wonder why. John gives us a reason. Because he's not following us, so we stop them. So John's word reveals what is in the minds of the disciples. They think they are superior to others because of their special relationship to Jesus. It is just unacceptable that someone outside their group could do something as great as they could do. People should follow what the disciples have done to have the same privileges they have. That means if people want to be as great as the 12 disciples, they must leave all things behind and follow Jesus. I think that is, this is what John really meant by he is not following us. So how could he do the things that we do? Therefore, seeing someone who neither followed 
Jesus, nor commissioned by Jesus, cast out demons successfully, does not make the disciples happy, but makes them feel less special and less superior. Although what the person did was good, and Christ's name was glorified in that work, the disciples did not care about those things. What they did care is their own special status of being one of the twelve. So what the disciples did to that man is exactly what the religious leaders have done to Jesus and them, isn't it? The religious leaders, like Pharisees, scribes, when they saw the great work of Christ, what did they do? They accused Jesus, persecuted Jesus, rejected Jesus and his teaching altogether. Don't you think that the, the don't you think that the disciples are acting just as these religious leaders? The disciples forbade that person from casting out demons. They rejected him as outsiders and accused him of not following him. The disciples are no better than the Pharisees and scribes. So, dear brothers and sisters. What we see here is man by nature will like to be above others. We want to be great. We want to be wanted. We want people to hear us. And we want to be served. Because all of these make us feel important and superior. It does not, it, it does not only happen in our daily life. It also happens in our spiritual life. If we're doing many things for the Lord or for the church, it is very likely we, we will feel that we are important and think we are better than most people who do not serve as we do. Probably we think we will be more blessed than most people who are not doing the same things we are doing. This is our sinful nature and this is our sinful mindset. And this is also the disciples' mindset. We think we can gain our reputation, name, and God's favor by serving more. What this mindset leads us to is self-righteousness, self-exaltation, and self-satisfaction. So we do not feel like so we do not feel like tolerating those who do less than us but receives from God more blessings than we do. That is why the disciples shows no tolerance to that person who could do the same miracles as the, as, as the 12 disciples do, which is casting out demons. So Jesus, after, hear, uh, after hearing John's word, Jesus made his, his, his response to that. And Jesus' response is sort of paralleled to John's word. John's word consists of one statement and one reason. And Jesus' response consists, consists of one statement and three reasons. And Jesus' statement corrects the statement John makes. And the three reasons correct the one reason John gives. So let's see the statement Jesus gives. After hearing John's word, Jesus says, do not stop him. It is a straightforward correction of what the disciples have done to the person that cast out demons. 
This simple statement makes Jesus' position clear. Namely, Jesus does not agree with them on this matter. This, of course, is not what the disciples, the disciples expected to hear. They reported this because they thought Jesus would be, would be happy with what they did. After all, they think they have a good, solid reason to justify their behavior. That is, because he's not following us. The disciples literally set themselves up as the standard of being Christ's followers. In other words, if anyone wants to be followers of Christ, they must join a disciple group under the 12 disciples. That's a privilege. Now Jesus just gave his counter view. No, you should not stop him. Now he's going to give his own reasons for that. And we should know that the three reasons Jesus gives is to deal with the wrong view of, of, the, uh, of what disciple lives behind the disciples' reason. The first reason is this. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Here, the mighty work refers to miracles. In the gospel, the miracles of Jesus or the miracles of disciples are not just mere wonders that make people excited and amazed or make the one who performed miracles feel superior and more special. No, all the miracles serve as signs revealing Jesus as the Son of God. So if someone does miracles in Jesus' name, that should be a good sign as that person's act bears witness to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. Acts 3, verses 16 to 17 uh, is an example to show us how miracles done in Jesus' name is a witness. After Peter healed the lame, the, the lame person, he said to the crowd, to these we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So Jesus tells them that there are true believers of Christ outside the disciple group. Whether joining the disciple or not has nothing impact on the fact of being Christ's followers. And also, there is a better sign, a better standard to discern if they are true believers or not. And that is by their faith, word, and deed. So this is the first reason Jesus gave to them. The second reason is built on the first. And Jesus just make his view even stronger. So Jesus says, for the one who is not against us is for us. Oh, this is a maxim at that time. It is used to make a point in this specific context. As I mentioned, that Jesus is dealing with the, with the disciples' misunderstanding of who are Jesus' disciples. He just taught his disciples that they are true believers of Christ outside the disciple group. And we can know that by their word, faith, and deed. Now Jesus goes even further saying that as long as people are not against them, 
they are part of them. By our context, we know Jesus was referring to those who are not uh, who, those who are not against them, uh, referring to those who are not against them and their message. Then that means they are accepting Jesus and His message of the kingdom. And what Jesus also emphasizes is this: there's no neutral ground in following Jesus or being His disciples. People either follow him or reject him. Jesus has made it clear elsewhere that we cannot serve two masters, and we cannot love God and money in the same way. Someone is not against Jesus, then he should be considered as part of them. And the last reason, but not the least, is an encouragement of service. And Jesus says, "For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward." So what Jesus says brings us back to the teaching on being on being great in the eyes of God or being great in the kingdom of God, which is by serving the people of God. So Jesus said, "Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me." And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So Jesus was taught, was teaching about the true greatness in the kingdom of God, which is serving the little ones. In verse 37, Jesus teaches that receiving a child who belongs to Christ is actually receiving Jesus at the same time. That is a glorious thing, and that is a and and, and that is great thing. And in our in, in our verse, the third reason Jesus gives here, we are told that serving someone belonging to Christ, even that is a cup of water, he will be rewarded by the Father. So he, again, Jesus here is 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 telling them that serving those who belong to Christ is not a small thing; it is great. And, and they will reward it by Father, by the Father. So the focus here is the phrase belonging to Christ. So Jesus shows us a right way to to treat those who belong to Christ. And Jesus tells them in his response, who should be considered as belonging to Christ? Obviously, apparently. The disciples are not treating that person as they should, and they are not treating that 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 person who casts out demons as their brothers in Christ. So Jesus here is reminding them, "Hey, what you are doing is not serving, but tearing down your brother." So, what is qualification of belonging to Jesus? The qualification here is God's grace. What I mean is that God is the one who qualifies people to be His by grace, not by joining into any group, not by being the same as others or doing the same thing that others do. No, just by God's grace and His grace alone. Jesus says in John ten sixteen. 
Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not, that, that are not of this fault. I must bring them, bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So Jesus did that by his death and resurrection, just as Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, or 3, 26, 29. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There, there is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So Jesus is tearing down the dividing walls between people by his death and resurrection. And because of that, we are now brothers and sisters. Yes, we are different. And we are from different backgrounds. And we're from different different countries. And we have our own ways of doing things. Yet, because of Christ, we can treat one another like family members. And we can serve one another as family members. We cannot do that by our own nature because we will all divide people into different categories. Who is greater? Who is, who, who, who is, uh, uh, who is richer? And who is yeah, more superior? But no, in Christ, everybody, we are Christ's and we are his people. So that's how we come to one another and that's how we can serve one another and love one another even they're different from us let's give thanks to our god for his grace let's pray lord jesus we thank you so much the gospel of jesus is a is a message of reconciliation by that gospel lord you give us a message of reconciliation with the Father. Not only that, you also reconcile us with one another and make make us one people under your Lordship. Lord, we thank you so much. This is a, this is not man's doing, and this is your grace. And we thank you. We thank you for all the brothers and sisters you have given to us. And we, we ask to forgive us. Sometimes we do not love them, treat them as we ought to. And help us see that they are our beautiful family members in Christ. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let us respond to God.